You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's Taco Tuesday, Globetrotter Tuesday as well. Welcome to End of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. What's up? It's Matt Miguez, the producer extraordinaire slash co-host with the most slash Globetrotters event guest, whatever you want to call it, James Mesh. What's up, buddy? How are you? That intro just started to fall apart more and more. <laughs> we really did. That's why I stopped it. <laughs> What's up, man? How's your Tuesday? It's all right. It's you need, all right. We, need some, we need some energy up in here, James. The more and more I think about a quarterback that the Saints would <laughs> use their first two picks on. Uh, you, you're getting so worked up oh about that. God. You're getting so worked up. I hate the idea. You hate the idea of the Saints not getting tired. I don't like it either. But you would boudet about that. I would. I would be boudeting about the Saints getting I would. a QB. If, if the Saints miss out on Tyron Matthew, that might be the biggest mess up of this offseason. The guy literally came to your facility today to, and, and for the people watching on the simulcast, they will see me do this, get to know the front office, get out of here. No, that dude went to the facility to meet some teammates, meet some coaches, and he wants to put pen to paper. Now, does Mickey Loomis want him to put pen to paper? That we don't know. I'll tell you right now, anything less than $10 million a year, if that's his asking price, sign him. Because Tyron Matthews got three years left in him. At least. He's only 29. Last season, he had 76 tackles and three interceptions. So he's still playing ball at a high level. Do do a four-year deal with the fourth year. Voidable. Be in the void year. Absolutely. 100%. Give him 9 to $10 million a year. and I would do 11 Maybe even 12 I put it around there. I mean, pay the guy. Or the other day when, when we talked to, it was, it was I think it was... Um, it was one of the Saints guys we talked to last week. He said that the, the Saints and Tyron Matthew were probably about $5 million off. Mean the middle. We can give $2 million. He'll probably give $2 million. There you go. You're right there. If you're only a million dollars off in today's NFL, that, that's nothing. That's nothing. Sign the man. And then when you do, Taysom Hill better give up the number seven. Yeah, but you you also have to remember that the Saints they have like a certain point. Like they have, they have a cap of like any certain position. That's why you didn't see him re-sign Marcus Williams. That's why you didn't see him get Mark Ingram because Mark Ingram was asking for just a little bit over their price and that's why you saw him sign for like 500k more. It might have been even been like 500k less because he didn't. He was asking for just over that, and they refused to go over that line. So that's probably what's taken so long, and what may be the reason why Tyron doesn't sign with the Saints. You want to win a Super Bowl? 
You're going to have to spend the money. You're going to have to spend the money. Look at the Rams. Were they going to win a Super Bowl before they spent all the money that they did? No. Did Was New England going to win a Super Bowl anytime that they didn't spend the money that they did? No. Look how much they were paying Tom Brady. I mean, yeah, Tom Brady's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but the point still stands. You got to spend money to win a championship. On today's show, we're going to talk about the Saints and what they should do. Obviously, we alluded to that you know, for the opening five minutes. Uh, the Cajuns and LSU play baseball tonight. And the Cajuns also play tomorrow. Cajuns softball tomorrow. You got some McNeese sports to dive into. Cajuns had their pro day yesterday. We'll dive into that. And there was a national championship game last night to talk about. And it was one for the ages. Phone lines are open 706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Speaking of big things happening in New Orleans, our Twitter poll question of the day. Do the Pelicans clinch a play-in spot for the playoffs tonight? Very simple yes or no question. So far, everybody that has voted says yes. The Pelicans will play Sacramento tonight in Sacktown, and they can clinch that play-in spot with either a win or a Lakers loss. James, they get it done tonight, right? I think they get it done. I think they get it done convincingly. And I also think that the Lakers further prove it by losing tonight. So either way, they would have gotten it, but double down on it. Yeah, LeBron's out. He is. LeBron's out. So uh, another thing I want to get to, and, and this isn't related to any Acadiana area sports, but I saw a headline today, and I just I, f- I feel like it's worth talking about. TMZ reported a April Fool's prank. That was done on OJ Simpson. And what happened was these people got a Nicole Brown Simpson lookalike. It was a girl that looks like Nicole. They all sneak into OJ's house at one o'clock in the morning and go in his room and scream, Wakey, wakey, OJ. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. Say, say what you want about O.J. Simpson. The man was in court for murder of two people, including Nicole Brown Simpson. Why, in your right mind, would you think that it was smart to play an April Fool's prank with a woman that looks scarily like the woman that OJ allegedly murdered. James, do you do you find that to, to be smart? Because I don't. Not, not even close. 
Because whether whether you think OJ did it or not, he was acquitted. And then, secondly, if people think that he did it once, what's what's to say he doesn't do it again? And again, one o'clock in the morning, you wake up out of a dead sleep. You're not gonna know the difference. Jim Rome put it perfectly this morning on his show. Wakey, wakey would not be the phrase that you should have said. After all, you probably shouldn't be trespassing into O.J. Simpson's house anyway at 1 o'clock in the morning. And and the whole purpose of doing all of this, James, a TikTok prank video. That was their goal. They wanted to shoot a TikTok prank video. God, the people of this world, they, they, they continue to amaze me. <laughs> oh, man, poor OJ. So, again, Cajuns baseball tonight, Cajuns softball tomorrow, LSU baseball tonight against Grambling. They need a get-right game, and this one just might be it. You got the Masters coming up this week. Astros baseball starts this week. And we'll recap a national championship game for you that was down in the Caesars Superdome. At 4.30, Malcolm Butler, the voice of Louisiana Tech, will join us to give us a preview inside the Bulldogs before their two-game set with the Cajuns tonight and tomorrow in Ruston. And then at 5.15, my man Chris Connor, the Pelicans slash Saints aficionado is going to join us to talk about the trade yesterday that the Saints made, talk about potential draft moves, talk about the Pelicans, and a whole lot more. So it's going to be a fun show on this Taco Tuesday. Don't forget to go do our poll question to the Pelicans clinch their play-in spot tonight. And also, while you're on social media, here at the game we started a, a new series called Getting to Know the Game. And today was our our first, you know, our, our debut of this blog on our website. And we all, it, so it's Hannah Five Names, myself, CD, RP3, James, Jordy Holtberg, and Kevin Foote. And so every week what we're going to do is we're going to get asked a question and we all answer it and it gets compiled into, into an article or whatever. So week one, it was who was your first celebrity crush? And James is showing how how young he is with his being Jennifer Lawrence. You're you're like two and a half years older than me. <laughs> you're acting like I'm like super young. So what what made you like Jennifer Lawrence? I mean, I, I don't I don't disagree with you. I'm just curious. I don't know. I just, I really always, to start off, I always really look at the face first before I look at any other body parts. As as you should. As you should. As you I, should. Because I, I was raised right. So I was like, wow, she has a really pretty face. And I really enjoyed how she did the Hunger Games series because that's how I first saw her. And that's honestly my favorite movie series. I don't know if we're going to do that as a question, but if it is, boom, that's my answer. I volunteer as tribute. 
So that, and then once I once I looked up like her interviews, like for Hunger Games, oh she's stuff, a, she's hilarious, and she's hilarious. And I was like, she's that's hilarious. my personality. I was like, no, that's my kind of woman. She is she is very funny. Uh, I was reading some of them. Kevin Foote saying Olivia Newton John, dude, that's so funny. And he said, <laughs> and he said the country singing Olivia Newton John before Greece and way before that. Let's get physical silliness. I can hear Kevin Foote saying that silliness. Oh man! All right, let's take time out number one, and when we come back, we'll talk some Cajuns baseball leading up into that Louisiana Tech interview here on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is coming back. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has free tickets for you. Yes, you. Text ANGOLA to 68683. Once again, ANGOLA to 68683. The Angola Prison Rodeo returns April 23rd and 24th, and you can see all the excitement. Bull riding, wild horse racing, and convict poker. Text ANGOLA to 68683 to watch the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The Cajuns play baseball tonight in Ruston against the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. They'll play one game tonight and then one game tomorrow. Tomorrow's game being a makeup from the beginning of March, I do believe. Um, so they will play two tonight, and then they will continue their road trip onto Jonesboro for the weekend. Uh, so a busy five-game week for Louisiana this week. Yesterday, we got to speak with with head coach Matt Deggs, and you know his his whole conversation was how each week they seem to be getting a little bit better, and they're building on things, and you know the the train is moving in the right direction because you know the week you lose to Nichols, and then you take two out of three against South Al, you go two and two, and the last week you go three and one, only losing that one game to Georgia Southern that you really should have won. So, you know, little things that that you're that you're improving on is very important for the growth of this team going forward, and uh, they're they're going to need it because Louisiana Tech is a a very solid solid ball club. Taylor Young is is one of their top guys, a three fifty three batting average on the year. He's 36 hits, 11 doubles, 3 triples, 4 homers, 23 RBIs. Uh, another guy that gives them a lot is Cole McConnell, 333 batting average, 36 hits as well, 8 doubles, 5 homers, 37 RBIs. Louisiana Tech is a very similar team to the Cajuns. They are a team that can hit the baseball, and starters seem to be struggling pitching-wise. Just a little bit. Uh, Jonathan Fincher is one of their top starters. 
with a 4.15 ERA. He is 5-1 and one on the year in 34 and two-thirds innings pitched, 40 hits, 17 runs, 16 of those earned, five walks, 37 strikeouts, and opponents are hitting 284 against him. But, you know, talking about Matt Daggs, he, he talked about, again, you know, improving a little bit more each and every week. Here, here's his opening statement. Getting better, trending the right way. Come off a one and three week into a you know a, a week where we went two and two, lose to Nichols, take two three from South Al, and then into a three and one week, which is a you know it's a good week. It's not a great week, but I like the way we're trending. You know, getting about to the halfway point here, one more game will mark halfway, and and you just kind of step back and look, and forty eight RPI and eight strength of schedule, sitting fourteen and thirteen, four and five in the league. You know, with several, probably five, six, not what might have been, it's kind of what should have been. And uh, we've got Marshock back healthy now, though. Got a confident Dirk. We're going to have a full complement of guys. And so we're excited to get on the road, take on this challenge. Tonight for the Cajuns, Hayden Dirk will take the mound. And this is going to be Hayden Dirk's first start of the season. Uh, he, he came in last year as a starter, started opening day against Tulane, started a couple more games as well, really got rattled against Southern Miss last year. And mentally, I don't, I don't know that he's quite been the same pitcher uh, that we saw a year ago. But this year, you know, he's kind of he's done a couple long relief appearances, you know, three innings here, five innings here, and he's done really well in, in that role. Uh, so Matt Deggs has decided to, to give him a start tonight against Louisiana Tech. And uh, yesterday we'd asked Coach Deggs, you know, what role does he see Hayden Dirk playing? Hayden knows this. You know, him and I have had a lot of talks. He, Hayden is more than welcome to pitch as much as he wants. And that's, you know, strict. that ball's in his court. If he keeps stringing together outings like this, obviously they're going to get longer. And, uh, you know, his opportunities are going to keep coming. It's the best stuff on the team. It just is. And, you know, he's got a chance if he continues down this path, making adjustments, being a, 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 a real team guy, he's got a chance to do some good things for us. Talking about this past week, the Cajuns going 3-1, and one, losing that one Saturday game to Georgia Southern. It was a game that the Cajuns had a lead in early on, and then, you know, in, in the ninth, they made a couple mistakes and let a couple guys get on to, to really run away with the game. But you responded well on Sunday, winning five to one, and and that's big because you know a team that's not great or a team that you know doesn't have that confidence would have folded after a game like Saturday. You know they wouldn't have responded as well as the Cajuns did on Sunday, and, and Matt Dex kind of talked about that. It takes it takes a brotherhood and it takes a a confidence level to really respond the way they did. Yeah, we've got some grit to us, and we love to play. And uh, there's a brotherhood that I haven't seen in a long time here. It's a true brotherhood, which can that leads to issues sometimes, and it leads to good things sometimes, right? But Saturday's loss looked traumatic, but it wasn't because we played pretty good. Saturday's loss boiled down to the fourth inning, and you can't when you get a kill shot against a good arm, and you've already taxed him. See, we were ta- we were taxing the guys cussing in his glove. He, you know, he, he, they're having trouble stopping our speed. That's when you got to deliver, and we let them off the hook with a rally killing sack fly, which looks good, but it's one run. They're going to try to run for an out all day right there. 
and then we're ne never able to add them. You've got to make winning plays when it matters. You can't try to hold a lead. You've got to finish a lead. And we had about four chances in the ninth to make aggressive plays that would have finished that thing. And that's going to be the difference maker. Julian Brock is a guy that, that the Cajuns have, have relied on defensively for a while. Coach Daggs has said numerous times that Julian is playing at an All-American level behind the plate. But you want to, you need his bat to start coming around, and it has. You know he's up to a two twenty five batting average on the year, uh, with eighteen base hits, five doubles, two homers, ten RBIs. Both of those homers actually come in this past weekend, uh, this past week actually, and a a three sixty three slugging percentage. And Julian's got an interesting swing method. He's he's got a short swing that gets around quickly, um, so he doesn't have to use a whole lot of power to get it out there. But And usually I know you don't expect a whole lot of hitting from your catcher because that's not what they're there for. They're there to be the defensive, you know, general kind of leading the whole team. And that's exactly what Julian's done all year. But, again, if you could get his bat going to where he's hitting, you know, 250, 260, that's huge to a batting lineup. And, uh, and uh, Coach Deggs talked about yesterday about Julian Brock becoming another solid hitting option. Julian has the shortest, quickest path on the team. Julian, and it's God-given, it's not taught. Julian is built to hit at a high, high level, unlike a lot of amateur guys that you see. It's a flat-end-out stroke. It doesn't take a lot of effort to get started, and it's just a matter of at-bats. He has the ability to catch the baseball and really kind of slingshot it uh, to different parts of the ballpark. He never has to be in a hurry, and that's part of a maturation process is learning that. Carson Rockefort still playing the role of Mr. Reliable for this team. A 340 batting average, 94 at bats, 19 runs, 32 hits, four doubles, two triples, seven homers, and 34 RBIs. He's a slugging percentage of 649 so far this year. But in conference play so far, man, you know, it's been Connor Kemple. 29 at bats in conference. He's a 310 average. Nine base hits, two doubles, one triple, three RBIs, and a slugging percentage of 448. Warner and Conus as well, 294, 290 for Rockefort, 286 for Robinson, and 280 for Max Marshock. The bats are coming around. Cajuns as a team hitting 239 in conference, and they are at 247 for the year. Again, Louisiana, they will play Louisiana Tech tonight at 6 and then tomorrow at 6 from J.C. Love Field in Ruston, a.k.a. the Love Shack. Take a time out right here, and when we come back, Malcolm Butler, the radio voice of the Bulldogs, will join us to give you the inside scoop on Louisiana Tech and Lane Burroughs' squad before tonight's contest. Don't go anywhere. This is the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. We talked about the Cajuns in the last segment and how they're 
getting prepared for tonight's game against Louisiana Tech. Let's get the Louisiana Tech perspective. And who better than to get the voice of the Bulldogs, Mr. Malcolm Butler. Malcolm, good afternoon, man. How are you? I'm doing great, James. How about yourself? Man, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So looking at you know Louisiana Tech, 19-9 and nine on the year, you guys have the series, the season sweep over LSU. You guys got a win over Tulane. You went on a little bit of a run there with a sweep of Houston Baptist into a you know three out of four the following week with ULM and UTSA. However, this past weekend against Southern Miss was a little bit of a skid, especially that eight nothing loss on Sunday. How how have the guys bounced back to get ready for tonight? Oh, they'll bounce back. I mean, you know, they, they were disappointed in uh, dropping two out of three this last week in Southern Miss. But, uh, I mean, this is Southern Miss this is big-time arms in that uh, rotation. I know Lane Burroughs last night on our radio coaches show was saying he felt like all three of those starters for Southern Miss were SEC arms. And, um, you know, so you go into Hattiesburg, you know, they had record attendances. And we just, you know, we didn't hit 35 strikeouts in three ball games. Uh, in all honesty, we were fortunate we got the one. Uh, we got a three-run home run in that game, and Cade Gibson, uh, who's really become our number one starter, uh, shut them down. But the other two, you know, were pretty lopsided. But, you know, this group has had a lot of success over the last couple of years. That's a veteran team, and uh, they're not going to let one weekend uh, determine the rest of the year. You know, you mentioned Cade Gibson, a 2.61 ERA, 4-1 and one on the year in 41 and a third innings, 30 hits, only 12 runs, and 49 strikeouts. How how has he come along, and uh, how impressive has he been here recently? Yeah, he's been really impressive. You know, last year uh, when we had the four week four game weekend series in conference play, uh, which was really brutal. I don't think a baseball coach in the country wanted that. But you had to have four starters on a weekend, right? You had to have the Friday guy, two Saturday guys, and a Sunday guy. And Cade was kind of our our fourth guy in that rotation. Uh, early in the year, he had gotten a midweek start last year against Ole Miss, who was ranked fourth in the country. Uh, and shut them down in a win. Uh, and he was really good at times last year. And then he would have some moments and some games where he hasn't. That's where I've seen the improvement so far this year in him, if he's really been consistent, right? Uh, he got the start and really held LSU in check in that first win over the Tigers. Uh, he was really good on Saturday uh, in, in Hattiesburg. I mean, they had a record crowd of 5,700-plus at that stadium, and he only held them to two runs. They got them both in the first inning. Uh, struck out nine, and so he's been really, really consistent to the point that uh, Lane is going to move him up, and he's going to be our Friday night starter moving forward. So uh, he's been really good. He's a guy, he's a, a lefty that actually started his career on the junior college level uh, before coming back here. He's a local kid. He played at Ruston High, and so he's he's really our number one right now. Chatting with Malcolm Butler, the voice of the Bulldogs. Malcolm, I'm looking at the hitting statistics, and, and one name that's kind of sticking out to me is Logan McLeod. He's third on the team in batting average with a 286. He's got four doubles, only 12 RBIs on the year. But if you look at his conference numbers, his average is at 458 in conference with a on-base percentage of 639. How important is it to have a guy like that just know how to get on base and set up opportunities? Yeah, well, you know, last year he he didn't play much last year. Uh, we had a guy named Hunter Wells at third base who was, was an All-American for us. Uh, and so, you know, Logan uh, has done a really good job over at third base. I think if you look at his stats, 
Uh, he's only got one error on the season, so he's been really good at third. And, you know, Lane was kind of laughing last night about how well, as you mentioned, he's been hitting in conference play. He's a guy that they just weren't sure what they would get out of him offensively. Uh, and he's been a pleasant surprise. And, you know, that's probably the biggest difference in this year's team from last year's team. I mean, we lost three big-time bats uh, off of last year's team. I mean, we had guys that hit basically in the two, three, four holes for us, Hunter Wells, uh, Parker Bates, and then Manny Garcia. And uh, they all graduated last year and moved on. And so you've got guys like Cole McConnell uh, and Phil Matulia, who last year – and even in, uh, George Corona Arquesta, that last year they were hitting six, seven, eight, or seven, eight, nine, and now they're hitting two, three, four. So those guys who last year really were productive at the bottom of the lineup and made that lineup so tough to get through because of the productivity at the bottom had to move up, which means we had to find the guys who were gonna who were gonna fill in down there in six, seven, eight, nine. And and Logan McLeod's a guy that's really done a good job down there. You know, another name I'm looking at is Steel Netterville. He's he's a guy that's been on the roster for a little while now, and uh, he he's definitely the power guy. Six home runs, 26 RBIs, with a 259 batting average. You know, yeah, the uh, uh, having a, a bat like that, you know, that you can rely on to give you you know a home run or a deep shot when you need it, it is crucial, especially as you get into into conference play, right? Yeah, and, and Steele's a guy that's been doing that his whole career, you know, and, and he'll have stretches where he goes cold, right? Uh, sometimes he's kind of all or nothing. Uh, his strikeout numbers are probably a little higher than you want, but like you said, uh, I mean, take Saturday, for instance, uh, he called into an all-speed pitch and, and hit it out of the park for a three-run home run, and that was the difference in our 4-2 win over Southern Miss. And, and the thing about Steele that that stat she doesn't show, I mean, he's a 3.92 kid in biology, uh, he actually put off medical school uh, for a year to come back this year uh, for another season. Uh, and so not only is he a great ball player, but he's a highly intelligent young man who's going to be a doctor one day. Chatting with Malcolm Butler of the Voice of the Bulldogs. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's important to have guys like that. You know, stand-up stand up guys in the classroom and stand-up guys just off the field because it just it, it's a great way to – you know, to build leadership and to build camaraderie in the locker room. Talking about Lane Burroughs, he's he's going in. He, this is year number six at the helm of Louisiana Tech for Burroughs. He has spent four years in Northwestern State before that, but last season in particular, forty-two and twenty. He finished twenty-two and eight in the conference. Hosted a regional last year. How how does Lane you know look to build off of that? You know, I, I know this year might not be started off the way that he envisioned but how how do you use last year to continue building off into this year for sure i mean obviously with the success we had last year there's uh, there are expectations now uh you know for our baseball program i mean ul lafayette can fans can understand that you know you have success at that level uh and your fans expect you to be able to repeat it the next year and the next year and the next year and so uh you know 19 and 9 uh you're halfway through the season uh, you know, you've played a pretty tough non-conference schedule. Uh, you've already played your toughest conference series at Southern Miss. So, you know, there's some games that they would like to have back. There's no doubt. Uh, you know, they won a South Louisiana road trip where they lost at Nichols, they lost at Southeastern, and they lost one uh, at McNeese. And that was early in the year when this team was still trying to find its identity. But uh, they've done a good job and kind of rebounded. And, uh, you know, Lane is an unbelievable coach uh, as far as an administrator. Uh, from our standpoint, 
Uh, he's a great guy to have as your head baseball coach. He gets it as far as a head coach and, and from an administrator standpoint as well. And our fans love him. Uh, he's just a good old Mississippi boy, and uh, we're glad he's, uh, he's wearing the Bulldog uniform. But he's done a great job, and, and he understands the expectations this year, right? He understands that, you know, Tech fans expect to host another regional this year, uh, and whether that's realistic or not, uh, you know, the last, what, 28 games plus the conference tournament will decide. But uh, he has embraced that. Malcolm, all right, two-game series today and tomorrow against the Cajuns and the Cajuns and the Bulldogs. There's no surprise that there's a rivalry between the two teams. Uh, What kind of environment is Louisiana Tech expecting at at the Love Shack for these two games? Well, you know, I would expect it will be a good one. Uh, You know, it's beautiful weather up here. I mean, uh, it's mostly sunny. Uh, It's got a nice breeze right now. It's in the 70s up here, so weather won't be an issue. And you know, we've had good crowds uh, this year. I mean, our, our brand-new ballpark, which is just over a year old, uh, has been a really great place and a great environment. You know, when we hosted the, the regional last year, um, you know, when it was over, and, of course, NC State was in our regional last year, uh, you know, their head coach uh, pulled us aside as administrators. We went down there to congratulate him, and, and he talked to us for 10 minutes, wouldn't let us get a word in edgewise, just about what an unbelievable facility we had, what an unbelievable atmosphere we had. Uh, and so, you know, that's always you, – you like to hear that, uh, whether it's coming from uh, a rival coach or whether it's coming from a Power 5 coach. And so, you're right, uh, these two schools and these two fan bases, I don't think like each other a whole lot. Uh, and, and that's good for college athletics at times. So, I imagine they'll be pretty rowdy and it should be a lot of fun the next two nights. One more question, Malcolm, before I let you run. Uh, for, for Cajuns fans listening before tonight's game, g- give me a couple of names on the roster that the Cajuns fans – you know, should should get familiar with guys that can make an impact. Yeah, definitely. One guy that uh, we haven't even mentioned and really the the leader of this group, and that's Taylor Young. Uh, he was our short, uh, our second baseman last year. Uh, he was a Gold Glove Award winner last year at second. He didn't make his first error of the year until the fifty fifth game last year. Uh, unbelievable. He, he he bats lead all four. So, I mean, he's playing with a partially broken hand on his glove side. He did that in the second LSU game. Uh, yet, you know, you just can't get the kid out of the lineup. And so he's really kind of the heart and soul of this team. And then, you know, uh, as far as the, the, the pitching, you know, tonight they'll start Greg Martinez. They'll try to get as much out of him as they can. And then, you know, tomorrow it'll be kind of one of those games where you pitch by committee, right? Because you got three conference games coming up this weekend. So I'm sure UL Lafayette's in the same, in the same boat. But Kyle Krigger is our closer, uh, out of the bullpen. And he's been absolutely phenomenal this year. Uh, his ERA under one, and when we get the ball to him late in ball games, uh, he's been, you know, he's been basically unhittable. Malcolm Butler, the voice of the Bulldogs, has been our guest. Malcolm, I appreciate you taking the time. It's always fun to talk to you, and uh, have a great call tonight, man. Yep, thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Malcolm Butler, the voice of the Bulldogs, take a quick look at our Twitter poll question: Do the Pelicans clinch a play-in spot tonight? So far, seven people have voted, and everyone says yes. I mean, I agree. I, I think I think either way you slice it, whether the Pelicans beat the Kings or the Lakers lose, I think one of those two is bound to happen tonight. Um, if, if both don't, there might be there might be an issue, right? Just a little bit. It definitely would create some more drama. It, it would be concerning for sure. Concerning for sure. 
Uh, once again, phone lines are open 706 0111 if you want to call into the show and, and get your thoughts on the Cajuns, the Tigers, McNeese, the Astros, whatever. Uh, phone lines are always open. We'll take a time out here. And when we come back, we will talk some March Madness. Uh, the National Championship game last night between the Jayhawks and the Tar Heels. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just wash the hair. You know, I worked on my hair a long time and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Do you want to experience Festival International like never before? Well, you're in luck. The Games Festival International Prize Pack is here. Sign up for the Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and you will get the chance to score a pair of Bonton passes. You'll get exclusive access to front row and stage areas, shaded seating, air-conditioned restrooms, express drink lines, shirts, festival pins, and a festival poster. Experience festival like never before. By winning the prize pack for Festival International from the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Last night was the national championship game down in New Orleans in the Superdome. A 72-69 victory for the Jayhawks. It was the biggest second-half comeback in the history of the National Championship game. North Carolina was down 16 at one point. They do it behind 15 points from David McCormick, 12 points from Christian Braun, and 12 points from Ochai Ajabi, as well as 14 off the bench from Arizona State transfer Remy Martin. But before we dive deep, deep into that, the hotline is ringing off the hook. Josh calls into the show. Good afternoon, Josh. How are you? Hello, Matthew. Doing just fine. Making my way to the soccer field, listening to your uh, your show, listening to your guests there. Yeah, what you got? I'll be quick. It's just amazing. You know, he mentioned the, uh, the, the rivalry and the... Uh, uh, lack of love for one another in terms of fans. I just continue to marvel at the pettiness from Rustonia. It's beautiful. I love when they call a show here in Lafayette and use UL Lafayette. Just that can't go unchecked. So I figured I had to call in and give you a hard time on that. He uh, mentioned, though, uh, one good thing that he had to say was that uh, we know the starter, Greg Martinez. Uh, do you have any information on Greg Martinez for, uh, for the listeners? So let's see. Martinez is a sophomore from Southwest Ranches, Florida. He is a 6'3", 205-pound right-handed pitcher. So far this year, he's got a 5.64 ERA in 10 appearances. He is 2-1, 22 and a third innings pitched, 27 hits, 14 runs all earned, 7 walks, 22 strikeouts. Opponents are hitting 300 against him. 
saying we're, we got Durkee going tonight, right? That's Correct. what I heard uh, was announced yesterday. Correct. Hayden Durkee is going to go tonight. It, it's his first start of the year. Well, that should be a good matchup. You know, Tech's a good team. They can hit the baseball. Cajuns are trending up and playing much better baseball as of late. I'm interested to see the game. Uh, hopefully there will be an establishment around Lafayette that's going to show it and go ahead and purchase that stream for like 10 bucks. Uh, here's looking at you, Pete. Uh, but anyway, keep doing your thing, man. Just wanted to call in and say hello and uh, talk a little baseball. Appreciate it, man. All right, brother. Yeah, what, what he's talking about is that the game is being broadcasted on Kusa TV. And so the only two ways that you can access Kusa TV is six ninety five a day or ten ninety nine for a month. So you have to pay to watch the game. Which, like, okay, I, I, I get it. If you're, like, a Louisiana Tech fan, like, it's fine to pay that. But, like, as a Cajuns fan who doesn't, or a Cajuns person who doesn't really get involved with Conference USA, why would I pay six ninety five when I already pay six something for ESPN Plus to watch Cajuns? Like, why can't why can't Kusa just agree to ESPN Plus and they can be broadcasted on ESPN Plus? That's why ESPN Plus was made, people. It was made to give lower tiered conferences like Conference USA, like the Sun Belt, like the MAC, airtime. That was its purpose. That's why it was made. Use it. Benefit from it. Like, it's advertising dollars. It's everything you've ever wanted. It, it, anyways. Back to the National Championship game. Um, real quickly, I've got an audio bite that I want to use from from Coach Self. And he he sat there and he talked about well, actually, the first one that I want to use is from Mitch Lightfoot, and it was all about Bill Self's message at halftime to his team. Um, I would say I said this uh, a couple days ago in, in media with with a group of guys as experienced as this and that have been around and uh, know each other so well. It's kind of it's kind of hard to see see them us get rattled, and uh, I think we uh, bounced back at halftime. Coach had a great message for us, and uh, he challenged us to be better and uh, to have some to have uh, more pride, and uh, we did that. Speaking of that halftime message, Bill Self had Bill Self went into depth on what what that halftime message was. There wasn't much inspiration. Uh, I did tell him before the uh, the half was over. I said, "Which would be harder, being down nine with two minutes left, or being down fifteen with 20? And they all said, "Being down." nine with two minutes left i said so this we can do this and and uh because that's the way it was in 08 so uh and you know we we, we got what we get three or four stops in a row to start the half and 15 went to nine like that and it was anybody's game so uh uh it was pretty special how how one triggered that uh start the second half and, and you know we, we won't have time to play it but Bill Self also went into detail about his father, who who recently passed away this year, and he talked about how his father lived through a time period where, you know, everything you had in life had to be earned. You know, he his father grew up during the Great Depression and the Dust Bowl, and you know things like that. And so, 
he said that his dad would be really proud of this team because they had to claw back and, and, and earn you know, this national championship. And he also went into detail about how the tradition of Kansas basketball made it not necessarily difficult, but kind of put a little bit of pressure on him to go win another national championship because that was the expectation. I mean, Kansas, literally, their first coach was the inventor of basketball. Need I say more? Hour number one in the books here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. Hour number two, we'll talk some Saints, we'll talk some Pels. We'll get you set up for LSU baseball tonight here on this station. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You already know the drill. Hour number two, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles. Matt Miguez and the producer extraordinaire, James Mesh. James. We, we got to talk about something. What's that? <laughs> you can't throw curveballs with the Nerf ball. That's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> I still struck you out, though. <laughs> I, I will get my revenge. <laughs> me and James, me and James played a little bit of a little bit of baseball in the studio during during the hour break just now. But That's what uh, you get for trying to bunt. Hey, Gorilla Ball win championships, baby. <laughs> got to do what you got to do. Here on our number two, we're going to talk with Chris Connor from the Bird Rights and from Canal Street Chronicles. Get his intake, get his thoughts. Why can't I talk today? Get his thoughts on the Saints and Pelicans with the moves that they're making and the Pelicans possibly clinching a play-in spot in the tournament tonight. And after that, phone lines will be open. Phone lines are actually open this segment as well. 706-0111. LSU baseball plays tonight against Grambling at 630. They're going to need a get-right game, and that's exactly what tonight's going to be for them. Uh, Pre-game will be at 6, and you can hear it all on right here, the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Take a look at our poll question of the day on Twitter. Will the Pelicans clinch a play-in spot? Everybody says yes. Speaking of, wow, I, I love I love this. I, I tell people the phone number, I tell them to call in, and they do. I have the, I have the magic power. I, I've got power, James. Are you guaranteeing this win tonight? I've got or power. Let's go to the hotline. Chris joins the show. Chris, what's going on? Hey guys, happy uh, Tuesday afternoon. I happy. wanted to talk a little Saints real quick with you guys. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, okay, so I know the Honey Badger, uh, you know, was brought in today. Uh, I don't know what 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 happens with that. Real quick, what do you guys think about that? Um, I'm excited myself personally. I think he would be a, a position of need, instant, uh, you know, instant starter for us. 
And then, you know, I'm going to listen to that, but I want to know, man, this trade we did yesterday, trading all, swapping all these draft picks and all, I'm really hoping that we could get two starters out of this. Um, but I, something something just seems kind of strange. You know, you know, back to the jo- Jonathan Sullivan trade, do you remember that when we traded those two first-round picks to move up to number six and take him? So um, just what do you think about that? Left tackle, running back, uh, quarterback, uh like to hear what y'all think have a great day who day thanks for the call chris the the trade makes a lot of sense um you know i i explained it i explained it yesterday and the best way that i can explain it is that you you so your sixth round pick and your seventh round pick cancel out right so so if, if you do it that way they if those two picks cancel out you traded a first and a third this year and then a first and second next year to move up two spots, which if you got a guy that you're locked in on, moving up two spots is huge. That's and big. It, and the thing is, <clears throat> this is why I think it's going to be a tackle to be the first pick is because if you look at the Chargers roster, they need a tackle. At this point, all they need is an offensive lineman because you can you can slot Slater over to guard. He can play either yep. tackle or guard. So them getting a tackle is pretty big. So you jump past them, you get a tackle there, and then you hit on your receiver. Yep. Because there's because plenty there's of receivers. There's going to be loads of them right there. Because Chris Olave could be there. James Williams could be there. Jameson Williams, Traylon Burks, um, Sky Moore. You think Sky Moore is going to go first round? A lot of people are talking Sky. I think I think he'll be. I could see him being a second round. He's, he's going to be in the twenties, I believe, but he will be there. Okay. So yeah, I mean there, there's 20s, options or the thirty. So so you're moving up those two spots, which is huge, because you're 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 going to basically guarantee yourself a solid offensive tackle, maybe maybe even an an instant starter, and then you get a second first round pick to go get. Your number two receiver. That's massive. And with the pieces that we already have, you sign, a, you get a good left tackle, and then you get a good number two receiver. Sky's the limit for this team. Because the NFC South, let's be totally honest, it's going to suck this year. The Falcons are going to be terrible. Carolina's going to be dysfunctional as all hell. Tampa Bay. I mean, yeah, they got Brady back. But outside of Chris Godwin, he doesn't have many receivers. And, and Mike Evans, I mean, he's still got his receivers. But what's he going to do for an offensive line? Their defense is is in trouble. And, oh, yeah, they they just got a head coach that has a terrible head coaching track record. It's going to come down to the Saints and Bucks for the division. Again, you win the division, you make the playoffs. You make the playoffs with this roster, anything can happen. So you're banking on the fact that you're going to have a good year this year and that first-round pick in 2023 isn't going to mean a whole hell of a lot. And even if it does, say Sean Payton wants to get back into coaching, and I know this is a lot of hypotheticals, but say Sean Payton wants to get back into coaching. Boom, two first picks, two first-round picks for his coaching rights. Two, maybe three depending on how badly the Cowboys want him. Jerry's been known to give up way too much to get a guy that he wants. 
Let's go back to the hotline. Chad joins the show. Good afternoon, Chad. Hey, how you doing, Miguel? Doing well, man. How are you? Good, man. So everybody talk about this honey badger coming. I don't think the honey badger is what we need. Taysom, if we get Taysom and we good with him, that's all we need. And I'll, I'll, I'll listen to your opinion on that. Taysom Hill's going to play safety? No, I'm just saying in general. Taysom is just, he'll be a good asset back to the team. Well, Taysom's not a free agent. Oh. Yeah, Taysom is still on the roster for the next three years. Oh, see, so he is good. See, I, I hadn't been watching much. Yeah, no, Taysom's, we, we signed Taysom to a four-year deal last year. Oh, well, then that's good. So we've got him. We've got him for a few more years. Oh, good. Well, what do you think about the honey badger? Uh, I think we need him. Uh, I think he would be a, a great pickup. I mean, safety is a position that you can never have too many pieces. He's twenty nine. He had seventy six tackles and three interceptions a year ago. So he's still playing football at a high level, and I know twenty nine is a little old for a safety, but. He stayed relatively healthy throughout his career. There, there's no reason that you can't sign him to to a three or four year deal, and, and him complete that deal. So I mean, I I, I agree. Taysom Hill is a, is a very valuable asset to this team, uh, but no, a, a guy like Tyron Matthew, you definitely need. No, no question about it. Especially if he's willing to come to you. If he's willing to come to you, especially on the cheap, or cheaper than what he would ask somebody else, no reason not to. Let's go back to the hotline. Manning joins the show. What's going on, man? Good afternoon. How y'all doing? Good. How are you? Oh, great. great. Listen, I just wanted to chime in on the two draft picks and uh, say that uh, I'm just a little concerned. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, the national pundits have us uh, picking a quarterback, even trading up, or picking uh, one at 16 or one at 19. And uh, quite honestly, I don't I don't want any of those scenarios. I, I'd like to see a, a wide receiver tackle or tackle wide receiver, whichever, whoever's there, whoever's best when those picks come up. And... Uh, but uh, I've seen several scenarios today of the Saints trading up to five to get Malik Willis. So uh, I just wanted to – I think I know y'all answer, but uh, I just wanted to give y'all a shout and uh, I'll hang up and listen to what y'all have to say. Enjoy the show, guys. Thank y'all. I appreciate the call, man. Yeah, You know, I've I've – I've seen the same thing from the pundits that, you know, we're going to trade up, whatever. Here's the thing. As much as I and, and we look to the national guys to, to get information, when it comes to stuff like that, they're they're usually wrong, uh, especially more times than not. I don't, I don't see the Saints trading up, especially not for a quarterback. Um, the only thing that I would see them trading up for is if they're worried that they're going to lose one of their key receivers, or offensive tackles that they're going after. The order needs to be tackle at 16, wide receiver at 19. Unless the only guy that I would flip that order for is if Chris Alave is still hanging around at 16. If Alave is there at 16, you take him. 
you take him. He's Michael Thomas 2.0. You take him. Otherwise, I really like Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. If he's there at 16, you take him, and then you take whatever receiver is hanging out at 19. Honestly, 16 and 19 are great places to be. I don't think the Saints need to trade at all. Um, unless there's just an offer that they can't refuse to move back. So, I don't know. We'll see. But trading up for a quarterback, if you were going to do that, you wouldn't have signed James Winston to $14 million a year. You also wouldn't have signed Andy, Andy Dalton. Dalton to be right. the secure backup. Right. You also would have already gotten rid of you're not <laughs> You're not drafting a first-round quarterback making those moves. You're not going. You're not. You're not. Let's go back to the phone line. Mark joins the show. Mr. Mark Alexander. What's going on, My buddy? brother, what's up, man? What's good, man? I'm so proud of you. You know, I'd be telling you that, but I had to call in and let everybody know that. Man, dude, I appreciate you. What's going on? It's a great feeling to listen to my little brother talk every day on the radio, man. It's encouraging. What you got? You got you got some you got some Saints stuff you want to share? You know that. Man, like me and you, we don't agree on the Andy Dalton situation. Like I get it, you know, with the veteran. I was just feeling like I was telling you, I thought we could have maybe waited probably after the draft to get a veteran back up. It makes sense, but I was just saying kind of with the six million, I know we already kind of scrapped with cash and the cap. I get it, but I wasn't a big fan of it. And I had to call because that guy just cracked me up talking about we just need Taysom and no honey bear. Just like, come on, Saints fans. Like, we have to know what's going on as a team and not just be super fanatics of a player. Like, you know, Taysom don't help us on defense. Like, we have hey, to be aware of that. Hey, but I, was don't, I had to call in. Don't, don't you slander that. The Mormon, <laughs> the Mormon missile is going to play all 22 positions. You're right, right. We need to take some hell that head coach as well, man. Right, Maybe GM, owner, all of it. Transactions for us. And I was just calling to highlight you, bro. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, Mark. All right, boy. Be good. Right. Yeah. Taysom Hill is going to play all 22 positions on the field. He's going to be the water boy, cheerleader, general manager, all of it. What position you play, son? Football. I play football, sir. And I'm good at it, too. It always goes back to that old uh, Spice Adams video where, he, where he's holding the football. He's like, I play quarterback, wide receiver, running back, left tackle, right tackle, you left know what? guard, right guard, <laughs> head coach, what? kicker. You know what I think Assistant of? coach, water boy. There used to be a Taco Bell commercial on the radio about, you know, one of the, they, they were having like this spicy burrito or, or, or whatever. And so the the scene of the commercial was a guy trying out to be a pitcher and and the coach was like all right man you know throw show me your fastball and so he throws his fastball and then coach is like all right you know where's your where's your slider he goes coach i bring the heat coach is like okay change up and he goes no coach i bring the heat all i do is bring the heat Taysom hill just brings the football all of it take a time out when we come back chris connor he'll have a thing or two to say about this Talk about the Pelicans as well. Here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh, you're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 5th, 1972. Major League Baseball's regular season fails to open due to a player strike for the first time in history. 
A total of 86 games are lost before the labor dispute is settled. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Hangout Music Festival is returning this summer to Gulf Shores and the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles has your ticket to this epic weekend of music. You, yes you, can score some VIP passes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't miss the return of Hangout Music Fest featuring Post Malone, Halsey, and Megan the Stallion, just to name a few. May 20th to 22nd in Gulf Shores. That's the Hangout Music Fest. And when your VIP passes from the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Man, y'all getting all frustrated and hot and bothered about the Saints trade and, you know, concerned about what they're going to do. Are they going to draft a quarterback? Here's what I got to tell you. I got a man on the phone that knows it all. He's going to tell you like it is. It's my man Chris Connors from Canal Street Chronicles and the Bird Rights. Chris, good afternoon, bud. How are you? Hey, man, I, I I couldn't be better, man. Thanks for having me on. What's up with you? Man, I'm good. I'm excited to watch the Pelicans clinch a play-in spot tonight. Oh, man, man. I, uh, shout, out, shout out to uh, the voice of the, of the Pelicans over, over there, uh, my man Graf, uh, who, is, who, who would hate for me to state that they're going to, or agree with you and state that they're going to win. He believes in jinxes and bad luck and all types of stuff. But I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, I think tonight's the night. We can get over with it, and we can start talking about uh, where where the team goes from there. You know, I'm a man of superstition, too, so I'll, I'll give Graf his, his due. But I got a wooden desk, so I'm going to knock on it real quick while I say that, uh, that we're going to win tonight. But, you know, before we dive deep into the Pels, let's talk about the Saints. And, you know, everybody's, everybody's calling the show today. Getting getting frustrated about the trade the Saints made yesterday with the Eagles, thinking that we gave up too much for not enough in return. What do you, what do you think the Saints' motive is moving up two spots? Well, you know, I mean, I think you know we when you make a when you make a move like that, not only to move up, but you know, but to own, but to also um, you know add yourself a you know give yourself another another shot at it in the in the first round. I think that you know it shows that. If you're going to be that aggressive, you obviously feel that you have enough in-house. Um, you like where you're at. You like the flexibility just in case things go left. Maybe you can move up and grab somebody that you, um, you know, have high on your board. Uh, but, I mean, I guess for, for, for any fan that's worried, I mean, look at it. A lot of people were worried about the direction the team would go after Sean left um, and some of the other things that are still in the air. Um, and the you know the holes that, that the team has, but if you make a if you make a move that aggressive that you know kind of that gives up future capital you know for today, and you can't feel you're that far off in regards to competing. I'm not. I would. I, I. I don't think it's fair necessarily. I don't know. You know, a championship is is fair or not. But at worst, you believe that you have an opportunity with a couple a couple additions, a couple high talented additions. Whether it be offensive line, whether it be a receiver, um, you feel that you should be in the mix of things. And I, in, in all honesty, you know you should. You 
you should feel that way. Even with some of the losses, you know, I think the Saints still have a very, a very deep, talented roster. You, you, you're able to add another receiver or add a tackle, uh, give Jameis, you know, some added, some added weapons one way or another, make sure he's protected. Uh, I mean, you should feel, I, I think that it's fair to say that this team isn't that far off, especially with the way it seems Jameis was playing or starting to play uh, as the season progressed. I agree 100%. I think this team is just a piece or two away from making a making a serious run. But you know, to to the people that, that think the Saints should draft a quarterback in the first round. You know, what what do you what do you say to that? I mean, you know, there's guys with some talent, you know, Malik Willis or even a Kenny Pickett. But I don't know that quarterback is a need for the Saints right now, especially to spend a first rounder on it. Right. I mean, you know, I I I think that Unless you know you feel you're very high on, you know, on someone like uh, you know, you mentioned a Kenny Pickett. Uh, if this was if this was a situation where it was a it was a can't miss prospect, uh, and not saying that whether it be you know Pickett or Malik Willis or you know whoever you love uh, out of out of that group, but I think if it was a can't miss prospect that the Saints had a realistic opportunity to get, that maybe we're having a different conversation, but. I mean, to me, man, I, I think signing Andy Dalton kind of shows you the route in which they're going. Because at that point, you know, are you drafted, are you drafted someone like Pickett or someone like Willis to be the number three and to wait a few years? Or, um, you know, are you trying to build more off of what you saw from Jameis last year, who still, you, know, you still have a lot of questions who, I, in my opinion, made the best he could out of what he had, which didn't include a guy like Michael Thomas and whoever else that they are going to add a receiver because – I think we all will agree that they're not done there at all, whether that be in the draft and multiple times throughout the draft or whether that be a situation where they go and sign one of these leftover veterans. So, yeah, man, I mean, I think the Andy Dalton move is kind of what, you know, may make it seem like to me that they're going to give Jameis an opportunity here, you know, at least for a year to see if he's going to be able to take control over the keys and help and help with, once again, as we mentioned, should be a very talented roster and with a couple moves here and there, a talented offense for him to work work through and work with. Um, I just don't see quarterback yet. I think that's maybe something in which they try to take if they do draft someone. I do think they will. I won't. You know, I, I wouldn't go that far to say they won't do it at all. But you're talking later in the rounds, and that's just been that's how they've been. You know, for the longest now. I mean, the last time they drafted a quarterback. Um, in the first round, with come on, help help me here. It's been a, it's been it was, a minute. It was Archie Manning. Archie Manning. There you go. No, it was Archie Manning. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's <laughs> I wasn't been. Even thought of. It, it is. It has been a long time since the Saints have spent a first round pick on a quarterback. Uh, chatting with Chris Connor of Canal Street Chronicles and the Bird Rights. You know, Tyron Matthew was at the facility today, and you know, there, there's tweets from from sources saying that. The meeting was was very casual, and it was just an opportunity for Tyron to get to know the the members of the front office. See, I, I'm not buying that. Why would he need to get to know the members of the front office and the coaching staff and tour the facility if he didn't have legit interest in coming play here? No, I mean, I, I think the signs the signs are there at this point. I mean, and they've been there. I think at this point, I mean, you know, to me, I, I think that, you know, the Saints are clearly interested, but as, as always with, with Mickey in the front office, they have a number that I believe that they're going to stay, that they're going to stay with more than likely. 
And if you're, you know, if you're tired, if you're tiring, I mean, why not at this point in time, this, this, uh, at this juncture in the free agency period, wait and see what happens. Wait and see who does what. If someone offers you something very, you know, very soon, someone gets hurt, someone, you know, what I mean, wait out and see exactly what kind of offers are going to come your way. Uh, but there's clearly an interest there. I think there's clearly a need now, especially with Malcolm Jenkins leaving. You already brought in Marcus May. We have to see what his availability is going to be from an injury perspective. And I think there may be a pending. You know, there's legal ramifications with him going for. So there's, you know, there's some things there um, in which they still have to figure out. We know they still have, you know, Gardner Johnson and P.J. Williams can plug in and play some, and play some time at safety. But there's definitely some room for, you know, for Tyran to join the team. And it would be great, man, just for the city. It would be great for the culture. And, and he's still a hell of a football player when he can stay on the field. And he's going to be playing around a lot of talented guys, one of the more talented defenses that he's been able to play on his career. And he's played, he's played with some good ones. But, you know, I don't buy I'm with you. I don't buy that it's to get people, get guys familiar. No, there's interest there on both sides. But I think, you know, it's going to come down to what Tyran wants to do and what his other options are, who else is trying to, you know, uh, to get him a part of the, the squad and what he feels like is going to be the next move in his career. But it's not like we're talking about a guy that's late. It's 30, you know, 33, 34. I mean, you know, I mean, he's what, I believe he's, he's 30 years old. I, I think he turns 30 in May. Yeah. Um, he still has some, you know, he still has some good football left in him. You know, this this move, uh, even whether it's short term or not, you know, this could be one of his final contracts going forward. And he just set himself up in the in the best position. Uh, and I mean, I think New Orleans obviously makes sense from a lot of different perspectives. Yeah, no doubt about it. Chatting with Chris Connor from Canal Street Chronicles and the Bird Rights. I got a Pelicans question before I let you run, man. And it's obviously about Zion Williamson. Uh, yeah. His his stepfather got on the Jordy Collada show earlier this week and said that Zion is is healthy and he's most importantly he's happy in New Orleans and he's ready to play. So yeah. do do you expect to see Zion before this season and even even look into the future? Yeah. Since his stepdad's saying that he's happy in New Orleans, could could the Pelicans maybe sign him to a long term extension this offseason? Well, you know, man, I mean I I, I think all of that's on the table. Uh, you know, I, I um it's I kinda of stay away a lot of times for what what's been happening with Zion, you know, dating back to the offseason because you know, it's been such a just an odd, weird conversation. It really goes nowhere if you try to have it on Twitter. Um, you know, some days people are too positive, some days people are too negative. It's it's really a, you know, it's a tough, it's a touchy subject and t- tough conversation to really to really have. But you know, what's helping all of this is just the growth of the team, the addition, some of the additions that they made, in the position that they find themselves to. We're talking about clinching a playing situation, a playing home game at some point very soon, maybe. So, you know, you combine that with the fact that, you know, we have been able to see him progress from a physical standpoint. And he's been, you know, his family, along with him, they're ready. He's ready to go. He's ready to play. Um, I guess, you know, you just have to see what the Pelicans feel about him in regards to his health and how far or how ready he is. And in what capacity are they considering to use him here this late in the year? Not really sure. But, you know, I will say that, man, um, if I had to assume, uh, assume, and I know that there have been reports that he'll play this week, 
I'm not sure if I believe that that's going to happen. Not that not that he's not ready. I just don't know where the team is at yet based off of what we know with some people that I've talked to. But we'll see. You know, but to answer your question, I do think that he'll play. And I only say that because um, I feel as if you're approaching a situation where if, and, and, and this is if, I think if you're in a spot where they're in the playoffs, I'm talking out of the play, out of the playing game. They if they can win home game and we would do would be a road game as we stand. Uh, I think he'll definitely play in some capacity one of those games to start the uh, in in the first round. Now, is there a situation where you could see him, um, you know, for maybe a playing game? I mean, I think that that's also on the table. The problem is, and that's why I even mentioned in the beginning, it's such a touchy subject to have because no one really knows, man. It's like we know, but we don't know. You hear, you know, you hear one thing one day, you hear another thing, you know, the next. And right. Whether that's somebody you pull to the side or somebody that you know goes out and uses, you know, and says it from a national platform or um, a local writer or someone that has inside knowledge, it's just it's all over the place, man. So nobody really knows. But if I have to guess, based off the shape that he's in, based off of the things, the the confidence that his camp and you know Lee ends up mentioning uh, that you know Lee seems to be. Or the place in which he seems to be at in regards to the confidence of Zion playing, what we've seen and heard about Zion, and where we're at in the process, it's hard to believe he won't play at all because he could help the team. He could help the team. And, and now I think we're, we're at a spot to where the fans have gotten over a lot of the earlier – well, I, I won't say gotten over, but I think most people have moved past in some capacity some of the earlier negative things that were out um, – whether it been whether they've been they were true or not, a lot of the confusion. And I think, man, we're all at a point to where if he's healthy, everybody just wants to see him because this team seems to be moving towards some really, you know, they're doing some really good things and some special things for the community. So, I mean, it's really hard to tell. I don't know if it's going to be this week, but something tells me it really feels as if you're going to see him before the season ends in some capacity. It's just a matter of when and what where the team sees him in this process. Chris Connor of Canal Street Chronicles and the Bird Rights has been our guest. Chris, appreciate you taking the time, my man. I, I know you're probably hanging out with the Pels 12 tonight, so uh, y'all enjoy that. Y'all enjoy the game, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line. All right, man. Appreciate you having me on as always. Many times, all right? Chris Connor, my man. We'll take a time out when we come back. We'll talk some Cajuns Pro Day from yesterday. Uh, draft season three weeks away. Got a couple of Cajuns getting ready here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Beat drop. The LSU Tigers welcome in the Grambling State Tigers to Alex Box Stadium tonight. First pitch is set for 6.30, pregame at 6. And you can listen to all the exciting action right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Cutting up, having a good time here in the game studios. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Cajuns Pro Day was yesterday 
at the football facility. And Matt Deggs, not Matt Deggs, Mike Desermo, got baseball in the brain, was asked, and more importantly, on a, on a wide scale, just how, how Pro Day went as a whole. You know, the first thing I think is, is Pro Day is it's a special day, you know, that, that people have gone through. It, you never forget it. You know, I remember 13 years ago, I remember the nerves and, and, and the preparation, everything that went into it. And it's a special day for our former players who, who are participating. But I think it's a great learning experience for our current players who they get to see, you know, the intensity level that's out there for guys that have really worked, you know, their whole careers for this. And you hear in a lot of pit places people talk about how, they wish guys would have trained that hard, as hard as they did for pro day whenever they were playing. And that's the beautiful thing, I think, about our players is that they train like that all the time. You know, they work with a purpose. And for those guys, it's been, you know, three, four, five years in the making that they've been getting ready for this day. So to see them go out there and perform really well, it makes you happy for them. It makes you smile and it really makes you proud. 27 different teams don't show up for no reason. You know, we've got really good players here. You know, they go out there and this is their opportunity to put on a show. And it's just, it's fun to see them do it. Max Mitchell is a guy being looked at by a lot of those 27 NFL scouts, as well as scouts from the CFL and XFL were there yesterday. Uh, But Max Mitchell offensive lineman from the Cajuns. He he's a guy that a lot of a lot of mock drafts have him going, you know, third round, maybe even the fourth. Some people have him going as high as the second. That's more where I see him landing, second, third round. Coach Dez was asked, you know, what makes Max Mitchell so special? Well, I, you know, if, I tell people this all the time. I mean, you know, when when you got guys like that, you look for the measurables, right? And the movement skills, and he's got all of those things. One of the things to me about Max that that just always stood out to me is he is one of the best practice players I've ever been around. And it doesn't matter if it's a team setting, if it's a one-on-one or, or shoot, it's, it's, it's Indy on bags. He does everything right. He constantly craves feedback. And he's really intelligent, so he knows how to use the feedback and put it into action. I think, you know, the thing about Max is that you can't go wrong when you have a guy that's got the size, got the movements, got all the ability – and on top of that, he's one of the hardest workers you're ever going to have. You know, he just, you know, he, he checks every box. And, um, you know, I, I think Max obviously has done really well for himself, you know. And these NFL teams, they, they know who he is and they know what they would get with him. Speaking of Max Mitchell, the media also got to speak to him yesterday after Pro Day. And one of the big things was did going to the scouting combine in Indianapolis change his approach to yesterday's Pro Day? Yeah, it did. You kind of come with a different mentality. You know, from the end of the season until now, I think I've grown immensely. I think I've just kind of learned my, learned how to treat the process a little a little differently. You know, from the training aspect of it to the preparation to how you treat your body, there's, just, there's so much to learn that, you know, I had no idea. But I would say I did learn a lot here. You know, it gave me a good foundation to learn off of, I'd say. So it's been fun. It, was, it did change how I came today, though. Another guy that the Cajuns are looking to put into the NFL this coming season is Percy Butler, the free-flying safety that, that has roamed the Cajuns' backfield, back defense for you know two, three years now. Uh, Percy has been all over the field, game after game, just an absolute ball hawk and a tackle machine. And uh, Coach Dez talked about Percy 
as, as a whole as he prepares for the draft? You know, Percy's a guy that, you know, so their, their evaluations, and I've talked to quite a few of these guys, you know, it, it starts with the tape. You've got to be able to play. And, and that's the first thing. You know, they're, they're not interested in guys that test well and can't play. So for Percy, the tape, he's helped himself on tape, right? You know, I mean, his special teams play, he had over 1,000 gradable snaps on special teams in his career here. That's freaky. It's unbelievable. And then you go over the defense and you see him, and the guy does everything. He can play out of the post. He can slot cover. He can pressure. He can drop and play the underneath zones. So, you know, he's got a body of work over a long period of time that says, okay, this guy can really play um, in the NFL. The testing and, and, and those things, that's what they really wanted to see to see, well, how athletic is he, right? How high can you take him? You know, and, and I think that's something that, you know, when he ran that 40 at the combine, it kind of put him on another level a little bit. So, you know, for Percy, I think, you know, he trained his tail off like he did every day over here. You know, none of us were surprised that he ran really well. You know, again, you go back to the in-person movements. When you see him in person, he just plays at a different speed. So, you know, I, I think for Percy, I think it starts with the tape, obviously. But then whenever you can actually get a number on what he actually runs or how fast he moves, his change of direction, um, you know, it's, it's something that it just checks. You know, again, they're just trying to check boxes, right? Like the guy plays really good. Um, is he athletic enough to play in this league? Well, you know, I think when he does those things, I think it says yes. Percy Butler running a 4-3-8-40 at the scouting combine in Indianapolis a couple weeks ago. Uh, one last guy that I want to touch on in this pro day that yesterday may have helped is Cajuns quarterback Levi Lewis. Uh, Levi is leaving Louisiana as one of the top quarterbacks to ever come to this program, uh, all-time leader in touchdowns, and I think he was seven yards away from breaking the school's passing yard record. So, I mean, right there. Uh, so one of, one of the greatest to ever come to this program, and you know now he's looking to go to the NFL. Problem is, is he's a little small. Listed at five ten on the roster, uh, he would be definitely be one of the first quarterbacks in the NFL under six foot if that were to happen. But uh, we asked Coach Des, how did today help Levi get looked at? Well, sure. You know, I mean, I, I think Levi. I think the more people get to know Levi, I think through the meeting rooms. They see the football knowledge that he has, you know, and, and Levi is, is small in stature. and People don't really understand the arm strength. And one thing about evaluating quarterbacks, when you see the ball come out of their hand in person, it's just something that you can't, you can't really quantify. You can't really evaluate that to me as well on film. So, you know, I mean, the way he throws the ball, I mean, the velocity that he has, and, you know, I mean, he was really accurate, um, which, you know, he has been for years. So that stuff... They know that, but um, to see him throw it in person, I think, is something that's certainly going to help him. And the more time they spend with him in meeting rooms and understand his football IQ, I, I certainly think it'll do nothing but help him. Man, I'm so ready to see some more Cajuns in the league. Makes me happy. We'll take one last time out. When we come back, wrap up today's show, get you set for some LSU baseball. We'll talk to you about tomorrow. Got a big guest name to drop for tomorrow. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
The baseball season turn K's into cash and bigots into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a risk-free first bet up to $1,000. Just sign up, place your first bet, and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back inside credit if you don't win. They have great promotions every day. The app is safe and secure, and you get paid fast with your earnings. Also, with the game, this series coming up for the Astros starting Thursday, I gotta believe that they'll win the first series and take at least three of the games. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code KLWB to get started with your risk-free first bet up to $1,000. That's promo code KLWB. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issues non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days after receipt. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Eight-game road trip to open up for the Astros. And they're all on the West Coast. You know what that means? James, that means a whole lot of 8.30 first pitches for us. That's rough. Going to have to get a sponsorship from Monster or something because we're going to need those energy drinks those first couple weeks of the season. I think So the season starts on the 7th. I don't think they play a home game till like the 20th. That's brutal. Which is why Ray wanted us to like go to the first series, I guess. Right, that, that first weekend series. Yeah, that first weekend series at home. Eh, you know, it is what it is. We'll make one eventually. Uh, final wrap-up of our poll question of the day. Do the Pelicans clinch a play-in spot tonight? Look, conversation to the viewers real quick. Y'all got to get more involved with our Twitter poll question. This thing has been posted for two hours now. I've gotten eight votes on it. Those are rookie numbers. We're going to have to get better with that. It's just going to have to happen. But everybody says yes, I agree, with the masses. Um, so Pelicans playing against Sacktown tonight, the Sacramento Kings. Tip-off, I think, is at 8.30, 9 o'clock, something like that. Some crazy West Coast time for us. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow's show, we're going to recap Cajuns and Tigers baseball. We're going to talk some Astros, get you set up for game one on Thursday. And we're going to talk some Masters because the Masters start on Thursday. But we're going to do it with a sports icon, Mr. Tim Brando. Tim Brando has worked for ESPN, Fox Sports, Sirius XM. He has covered everything from the NBA Finals to the Final Four to the Masters and everywhere in between. He's from Shreveport. He's the man. And he's going to come hang out with us tomorrow uh, to chop it up about the Masters, and we'll get his thoughts on a couple other things. So really excited to do that. Uh, Jay Walker will join us Thursday for his weekly segment with us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. The Globetrotters are tonight at the Cajun Dome. Family-friendly event. Go hang out have some fun. That's going to do it. For today's episode of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game, for James Mesh, Matt Miguez, be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you all tomorrow on, on Hump Day. LSU Fighting Tigers Baseball is next here on The Game. It's 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. See you tomorrow.